Welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm Sal Interdonado. The Black Knight Nation podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a world-class consulting firm that trains employees in sports psychology secrets that drastically improve work performance. Founder Dr. Joe Ross is retired Army who who, uh, played and later coached for the cadets and puts that experience to use for his clients. Higher Echelon is your go-to trusted partner for organizational excellence. And uh, with that, we'll welcome in our uh, special guest for tonight, Frank Scapatisi, former uh, former Army football captain in t- 2008. And uh, Frank, it's been a long time, but we were just talking before we got on the air. It's it's great to see you, man. Yeah, it's uh, been a long time since um, we spoke doing interviews underneath uh, the bleachers at Mikey. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, it's good to see you. Thank you for having me on. No doubt, no doubt. Um, I thought I might have caught you maybe uh, a couple couple times at Army games. Uh, have have you be pre pandemic? Were you going? Have you were you able to attend a few or no? Yeah, so I actually uh, I had season tickets a couple of years ago. Um, I live in Westchester, so I'm only about an hour from the stadium. And uh, my wife loves to go to the games. Um, my oldest daughter likes to go. I just uh, I had a newborn, and. Um, and then COVID hit, so I, was, I took a little bit of a break, you know, from coming to the games. But I plan on coming back next year. And uh, Army Navy game is only six miles from my house, uh, in Yankee Stadium next year. So I'm definitely going to be at some of the games. Um, I guess as a season ticket holder, you probably saw some exciting. Was that part of the, some exciting finishes at Army um, during that time? Did you see like the the uh, Temple game, maybe, or the um, Eastern Michigan game, or you had any of those games? Yeah, I uh, I forget the year. It was either I think sixteen or 17, 17 or eighteen that we won every home game, and like three of them, we had an overtime win, and then we had like two other crazy finishes. And uh, I remember um, having drinks in the A room with a lot of uh, the other old grad football players, just going nuts because that was probably the best year to have season tickets in decades. You know, honestly, yeah. I got super lucky when I moved back to New York and was able to go. When I was going back and looking at your, your time at army, uh, the reason why I brought that up is uh, you were part of, you were part of the Mikey miracle, weren't you? Yeah, I have uh, Mike, Wright. Yeah. I, I spoke to Mike, Wright uh, about a month ago, actually. Um, I call him miracle Mike, which he hates. Um, Cause it's like a joke. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a crazy, crazy game. And uh, I, for anyone that hasn't seen the clip, you can Google it or YouTube it. And no matter that play was interesting because no matter what the refs called on the field is what would have stood. There's no discernible way to see what happened on that play. Mike toe dragging in the back of the end zone. It's, it's impossible. So we were, we were lucky the refs called it a touchdown, but Hey, we won the game, you know? So that, that's all that matters. Yeah. And that wasn't even a game winning play, right? That's a, that was just a send to OT. And uh, I remember covering that game and, Kevin Dunn, I mean, coming out of nowhere and just leading, marching out you guys down the field, right? I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. Kevin Dunn come, comes in, uh, hadn't played much at all, comes in, leads the team to victory. And uh, I actually remember that night. The game ended at night. It was dark outside. Yeah. It was like in October or something. Matt Forte was on Tulane. So we had a, we played against a really good running back. And I remember uh, the soup came in after the game and was like, you know what? Everyone's on pass. <laughs> so I remember like the entire football team got to go out uh, that night. We had a little bit of fun. Yeah. I remember that like a night game. And I mean, like you said, I mean, going up against a two lane team that had a man, a, a pretty solid NFL running back on it. And you knew Matt Forte was going pro. I mean, that was going to be good things. 
Uh, I was, what was that like? Um, even to you know, like I always ask this. Um, and maybe he's your guy, but playing Army football, what is the like, especially on defense? Who who you think's the best player you ever had had to go up against uh, during your career? Yeah, so, um, Matt Forte was definitely the best running back we played, and we played against good running backs. We I played against Ray Rice, Tashar Choice, who played for Georgia Tech. Um, Mike Goodson at Texas A&M, I thought he was really good too. We played in the NFL for a while, but I thought Forte was the best. I uh, the hardest I've ever been hit was by Anthony Davis, um, who's a tackle at Rutgers. He played in the NFL for the Niners for a long time. That guy, like his hands were like like sledgehammers. The guy was so big and strong. He's like 6'4", 340 pounds, big, strong dude. Yeah. I remember those two players being really, really good uh, playing against them. Man, when, when you got when you your linebacking core was John Plumstead yourself. Um, who else am I missing? It is Brian Chamora. Was he part of that group or no? Well, he, Brian was a year older than me, so Brian. Okay. But Brian did. Uh, I played with Brian, so my first year starting, I played next to Brian Chamora. Um, yeah, but we had we had a great room. We had um, when Stephen and Josh were coming up. It was me, Stephen, Josh. Uh, and John Plumstead got the majority of their reps. And then yeah. uh, after I left, Andrew Rodriguez got a lot more play, who was, uh, you know, an academic All-American, uh, super high achiever. And there's a lot of like – we had a lot of depth actually, which to be honest back then was not usual. We had Rod Murray play uh, a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a good room. That was definitely the strength of the team the last couple of years I was there for sure. Well, different. Like you look at Army linebackers now, right, and Eric Smith is playing at 240 pounds in the middle, right? What what were you playing at back then? Um, well, I I was really skinny my junior year. I played at like I think I was listed at two twenty, but by mid season I probably lost like five or six pounds. I was probably paying, playing at like two fourteen, two thirteen. Wow. Um, and I'm six one, so it's pretty thin, you know. Yeah. But I, I could run pretty pretty well. Then the coaches moved me to middle, and uh, they advised me to um, gain a little weight. So I, I started that season the next year at like two thirty four. Okay. And. Uh, but I have a high metabolism, so I would end up like finishing the season at like 228 or something. But but to be honest, I, I think um, the way the game is played, I, I really don't think you need to be 240 pounds to play college football mm-hmm. at, 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 at any inside linebacker position. Now the edge players tend to be a little bit bigger and stronger. Um, but, I mean, with everyone spreading it out and the emphasis in my mind really is on running and hitting, you know, um, 225. If if my linebackers could play, you know, that's cool with me. You know, <laughs> like yeah. I don't think you need that extra weight really to be effective in college anymore. Uh, uh, you're right, absolutely. Because you look at Army's defense uh, last year, and yeah, they were number one ranked in total yards. And what they played a lot of five DBs, right? Mm-hmm. And then in the past, and Jay Bateman, I mean, you might see six defensive backs on the field at one time. And uh, you know, like you said, with spreading the ball around. Um, yeah, what a linebacker at Army like. Two years ago, he was like short, and not that heavy, but he could run. I'm forgetting his name. It wasn't Cole. Cole's bigger. It was uh, he blitzed a lot, man. I'm trying. I'm forgetting his name. You're, you're not talking about Jimmy Hammersticks, James Nautical, are you? Yeah, I am. I am. Okay. He did. He did. I don't think he was that heavy, but he was. He was a good player. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, you know, probably like around two twenty. I don't know, two twenty five or. Maybe somewhere about that man. That that bowl game against Houston, forget about. It. That's a career right there for some players. That yeah, had I, great, I remember that. He had a great game. Holy cow! So um, we like to talk about how you got to 
to West Point. Do you have a recruiting story? Now, I know you you grew up on Long Island, right? Yeah, Long Island, St. Anthony's High School, which is, a, as far as New York goes, a pretty pretty big football school. Um, I uh, I just asked my coach to, like, make a tape for me because I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And um, somehow it made it down to take a look at us. I had a twin brother. Well, I have a twin brother. And uh, they recruited us both as a package, essentially. And um, I remember I came on the official visit. Barrett Scruggs was my host, who's a linebacker as well. Um, And he was a team captain, too. And he he did a great job. I wanted to commit, and my twin brother wasn't sure. And I was like, hey, man, I'm just going to commit tomorrow. You know, and then my twin brother was like, fine, I'll just go too. <laughs> then we ended up both showing up. That was it. Were you uh, re- were you receiving interest from other schools or was Army pretty much your number one? Um, I was receiving interest from a, a lot of AA schools, um, like the Ivy Leagues. I went on an unofficial visit to Penn um, as a junior, kept in contact with them. And then there was some other schools, Georgetown, like Bucknell, um, the UCF. Linebackers coach ran a camp I was at. So that was the only other 1A school I was getting recruited by. But um, I was on one of the first official visits. Like Army was my first visit. Okay. And I canceled whatever ones I had after that. Because Army does such a good job at the official visit. Like, yeah. or at least from my perspective, they did. Right. Yeah. It's like prestige. You know, you got good job prospects when you get out, opportunity to play really good teams. So that, that got me. You know, I was hooked. <laughs> You know, they throw the three Heisman trophies in front of you, possibly, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. Even though, you know, they are, they're from the 40s, but they're, the Heisman Trophy, the national championship teams, the, the history of the program. Um, we just, uh, growing up in Long Island, did you know much about West Point before they actually started recruiting you? Because I, no. I grew up in New Jersey and I didn't realize that West Point was 45 minutes away from me. I could have gotten to see some pretty good Division One football when I was younger. No, I, I didn't. I should have. I mean, I, I don't, there's no ex- reason I didn't, I just didn't know anything. And it's odd. I think, um, I think New Yorkers in general are so like Ivy league focused and parents are all pushing them towards um, like all those types of schools. I actually feel like your average Texan is more aware of West point than your average New Yorker, to be totally honest. Like even my friends, I was like, yeah, I'm going to West Point. They're like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I'm like, it's only an hour away from our house, you know? Yeah. Um, but whatever, people didn't know about it. Um, but uh, once I did learn, I was, I was super pumped, obviously. Like it, I, I showed up, loved it, committed the next morning, I believe. And, uh, you know, great. Obviously, I think it's an amazing school. Yeah, I think your Texas, uh, your, your Texas insights are on the mark because you look at like, like a Ronnie Makeda, right? Who was from Texas. And even like Colin Mooney, like there's a, there's a senior right now that, that's at Katie Taylor where Colin Mooney went and Colin Mooney's um, they have an indoor uh, practice facility. Colin Mooney's like uh poster is up there. And like that kid walks in every day and he sees, you know, I guess if you, if you, if you had a former army football player play at your, your high school, you're immediately like, at least know of that, that it's, that it's there. And now the success they back, in the, in the tough times, you know, maybe not, but now the, the su- success they've had in the last couple of years. Right. I mean, they're right there on the cusp of being the top 25 program almost every year now. Well, in the three of the last four years. So, yeah. I mean, of course the kids are idolizing Colin Mooney. He's like the most jacked uh, person in from Texas. Like the guy probably sells protein shakes to his high school. It's uh, but yeah, that I'm just making fun of Colin. He's my teammate, but he's, he's awesome. Um, yeah. I can only imagine, right. Like the t- we, uh, I thought they did a great job recruiting 
when um, the team was struggling a little bit, to be honest, in terms of executing the visit, you know, yeah. how good the players were compared to the players we're getting now. I'll be like, be totally honest. I think the players better now, if you just look at them athletically, yeah. they're, they're superior, right? Like no yeah. doubt about it. Um, but the visits were always good. So. Yeah. And now they don't have those official visits, unfortunately with COVID. So they're, they have to even work even harder to get the guys that they're getting now. So um, what, what, I, we talked about the uh, the Mikey miracle. What are there any games that stand out in your c- career at West Point? Um, as far as you know, maybe right off the top of your head, some memories that you've had as a football player. Oh man, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I uh, the Tulane game was was an awesome game because it was also just a really competitive, close game the entire time. Um, I remember we had a Temple win at home. Um, I was either a sophomore or a junior and we had a kick return that kind of put us over the mark there. And that was an awesome win for us. Um, man. Oh, I, for me personally, I, uh, I remember we went down to Tulane and I scored my only touchdown I ever scored. I had an interception and it was kind of like, it was a terrible pass by the quarterback. Like it was like the easiest pick ever, but I only had to return at like 17 yards or something, but I scored and we won. So I was like, Hey, I scored a touchdown. We won the game. I'm I'm taking it, you know. So that was really cool. Where's that football? Do you still have? You gotta have that football. I don't have the football. I uh, I don't know if anyone saved it for me. I don't remember ever getting the football. Um, luckily, we were away, you know. So if, yeah. you know, if I didn't remember, I'm sure no one else would. So I don't have it. Right. I might just like buy a football and write on it, you know, like hey, uh, November 10th, 2008. Whatever you know, make it up. Yeah, you you remember the date? That's pretty impressive. No, I made that up too. I, I don't. Oh, remember. Okay, I thought you I remember the date. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, getting into the end zone. I mean, as a defensive player, right? I mean, on the road. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, as a linebacker, um, like, and say or a safety or a corner. I mean, like that's probably the number one play. Like when you go to bed and you're thinking about the game the next day, like that's the play, you know, <laughs> like you're, you're hoping the quarterback makes a mistake, you break on the ball and you take it to the house. Like there's, there's probably nothing better. Some people maybe want a big hit, but points are points, right? You got to get the points. Right. I remember like uh, doing some breakout stories and asking those questions like big hit or, you know, pick six. Um, you're probably a pick six guy. Yeah. I mean, big hits are cool, right? You know? But like I'm secure enough in my manhood, you know. I want, <laughs> I want, I want to get the points, man. Plus, like, look at the stat sheet, right? So if you look at the stat sheet, you're like oh, 100 tackles, interception, touchdown. You like that's. I'm like looking at the season. I'm like that's that's good work, you know. <laughs> like that's that's awesome. Yeah, no doubt putting in the work there. Um, now you, we were talking about this, the relationship you had with like the football players. A lot is talked about the uh, the brotherhood that is formed there, and whether it be you know successful seasons or some tough seasons, no doubt that kind of gets you, gets you through not only football, but also West Point, I imagine. You talked about still to this day, uh, John Plumstead. I mean, I know you guys were your really good friends at West Point, and now you guys are actually, uh, you know, work, you now you have your own business together. So talk about the relationship you had with John as a football player and now how it's grown to uh, a partnership, so to speak, in the business world. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one. So we uh, came in, uh, same class. So we we're both two not 2009 grads came in in the same recruiting class, playing the same position. We were both weak side linebackers coming in. And, uh, I, I believe we, we were always friends, but I believe I came in above, no, he came in above me at the depth chart. Then I skipped him. Then he skipped me again. 
Then going into our junior season, we were competing directly for the starting spot. I won that job, but then eventually they just moved him over to Sam so we could both play, right? So we had like this very uh, friendly but very competitive relationship, right? Just by the nature of where the coaches were putting us and the positions we played. And uh, we had a good relationship. We were both team captains, senior year, get along great. Um, Went through tough times together, right? Tough and bad and good. And then uh, about a year ago, um, we both like had our regular jobs. And we both have been in real estate in terms of buying houses and doing rentals and stuff like that, landlording. And he called me and he's like, hey, man, do you want to, we got COVID hit. We got all this free time. Like you're not commuting. I'm not commuting. We're working from home. Do you want to create a little bit of a side hustle and like do some deals together, flip some houses and stuff, basically pool our resources together. And I was like, yeah, sure. So we started, you know, we started a company and uh, like three months in, we were like, oh, we actually have like a, a real thing. Like we had done a few deals and, um, you know, now we, we kind of keep, keep doubling down and we're at the point now where um, I think we're managing, we're, we have like 27 or 28 houses under contract right now, um, a year later. And, uh, you know, we probably have to sell 20 of them in the next three or four weeks. We turn them over really quick. And uh, we, we hired another Army football player, Carlos San Diego. Um, no no He's also our classmate. And uh, we have another another Army veteran. Um, who is no, We have two sales guys. One's Carlo and one is another Army vet um, that used to work with Plum. So it's like such a heavy Army presence in our company. And the name of the company is Grayline Investments. So we also ripped off uh, awesome. uh <laughs> name. We actually changed our logo because we didn't want to get copyright infringement. So we made it like less West Pointy. Um, but uh, yeah, that's us, man. It's it's a West Point led company, football centric. Three three quarters of the U.S. team is our football players. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I was uh, I tweeted out yesterday um, Army football nicknames. I remember doing the story in my first year on the beat. Caleb Campbell helped me out. Caleb Campbell, I swear, he emailed me a list of the whole roster and every player's nickname. Carlos San Diego. What was his? Didn't he have a nick? He had a nickname, didn't he? Did he not? Yeah, his nick. Yeah, he did. His his name was Seasick. So he he had like a fake Carlos. So he had Seasick. He had a fake rap album <laughs> that he came out with. I think when he was a sophomore or yuck, and uh, eventually it made the rounds. Like I think it had a couple thousand views on YouTube. Yeah, you know. But when we would do um, our nicknames at Army back then were fun because. When we would take attendance on away trips to get on the bus, they'd be like, hey, Carlo, and, and he would respond like seasick. And like the entire team had like funny nicknames. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, when, when you're at West Point, sometimes you do whatever it takes uh, to have some fun, you know, because you get a little bored. So that was like our game. So um, that was Carlos. What was your nickname, man? So I used to lie in the program and make it up. So like one year, my nickname was like Ravenclaw. Like I would come up with like really stupid – I didn't really – one year um, – I called myself Scap City, and uh, I actually opened up a personal LLC this year for tax purposes, and I called it Scap City LLC, which is like a joke between actually me and Carlo because uh, we would always make up nicknames. What do you think the best nickname on, on the team your senior year might have been? Uh, I don't – the best nickname was uh, Charlie Rockwood's uh, nickname was uh, Bonesaw. Yep. And, it, and when we won the Tulane game, he started like doing like a bone saw thing. We caught it on tape. It was so funny. It was awesome. That's awesome. I put him. He he's on the list. He's he's like on on, on the original list I posted on Twitter. Charlie Bonesaw Rockwood. I thought that was pretty good. And um, you know, Steve Anderson. Um, 
who does uh, host the podcast with us here, the Old Grads podcast. Hollywood, right? Hollywood yeah. and Fifty, he said. Yeah, I, I, I like Hollywood. Fifty is good. Fifty is good, but it's is it original? It's it was his number, you well, know. He's yeah. spelling, Frank. He's spelling it F I T T Y. Yeah, that, that's what our coach, Coach Lyles, came up with. That he would. That's what he would call him. But like I said, like is that a creative nickname? I mean, you know, nah, that was his number, it, right? It's his number. Hollywood's more fitting with his personality. I, I prefer Hollywood. And I think it goes Hollywood Steve Anderson, not Steve Hollywood Anderson, right? Or no? Yeah, that's how I remember them doing it. Yeah, correct. Crazy. So um, Stan Brock let the whole nickname bust thing go go by in, in his watch? Th- that whole part of the process was like – I'm not even sure if the head coach was there. It was kind of like the administrative portion of the trip. Like okay, gotcha. Colonel Lynch back then would be like, everyone get on the in the end zone. We'll call attendance. We're like in our ask for class. And then we would get on the bus. So they just want to make sure they have all the players, you know, like no yeah. one overslept or took a nap and missed the bus time. Right. So they're yeah. just doing attendance that way. You know, I'm sure the head coach has got bigger things to worry about, you know, than if we're doing <laughs> like with our names, but yeah. you know, that's harmless stuff. Like we were, we're not doing anything wrong. What was it like playing for Stan Brock? Because I know he might've had a short tenure as army head coach. And I know that he tried to change, you know, he tried to change the program. He he brought the he brought the fullback back. He brought the triple option back his second year. Um, mm-hmm. What was it like playing for him? Coach Coach Brock was a big uh, players coach in uh, in my opinion. I thought he was super receptive to um, you know what the players would say while also being firm. He ran tough practices. Um, I remember uh, practices intensity practice intensity picked up under Coach Brock, particularly in my my senior year. The first stringers would hit against each other pretty frequently um, during camp, even at the end, like 10, 12 days before the game, you know? And uh, I think Munkin brings some of that too. I've seen a couple practices. They, they practice hard, you know? Um, they, they actually work really hard, which, which I like. Um, yeah. But uh, Coach Brock definitely brought some of that. He's also a great guy. Coach Brock is a great person, a really, really good person. Um, definitely proud to uh, have played for him and uh, – what he was all about. He was a great guy. Yeah, I mean, like I said, his time was short there, and maybe he didn't get that – maybe that in that third year, maybe because he was getting pretty good players. He was doing pretty good on recruiting guys. And when you had that NFL background, right, I mean, the guy was an NFL stud for uh, about at least 10 years, I think. So he had a pretty good NFL career too. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's the uh, – like the 06 to – to before Ellerson won the bowl game, that period is interesting because there was actually a decent number of NFL players on those rosters. We just never were able to put it together. Caleb was there. I thought Jordan Murray was a really good player. Carlton Jones, yeah. Scott Wesley were both really good players. Like there's players in the NFL that are worse than them, you know? Yeah. I, I guarantee, you know, Steve Anderson was really good. Josh played in the NFL. Ali was there. It's like, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, no doubt. Um, if you have any, um, if you have any comments or questions for Frank or I, please feel free to post them. Uh, we'll get them on here. Um, see if we can get some questions going now. Um, you're not new to the podcast game, Frank, right? You got you got your own podcast. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about what you're trying to do at, on the podcast podcast platform level? Yeah. So um, so our it's related to our business. So in our business, we we essentially I live in New York. John lives in New York, and our other two people in our company work in. Wisconsin and Virginia, but all the properties we buy are essentially in Texas, Georgia, North Carolina, Florida, basically the Southeast, 
And uh, so we're buying all these things virtually. That's the phrase that we use. And um, there's a skill to it, right? There's like a way to do it. There's a process to follow that I think we've gotten pretty good at. So we started a podcast called the Virtual Real Estate Investing Podcast. And our goal is really to just share what we learned, you know, going from zero to, you know, doing a good number of deals a month. Um, you know, we're not the biggest players in the world in this space. There's people that do probably double or triple the volume we do, but there's probably not that many people that have hit the volume um, that we have in this short period of time. Usually it takes three to five years to get to this point. So, you know, we're trying to share what we learned. Um, so it's really for real estate investors trying to grow their business in single family. So like, you know, your quintessential house. That, that's yeah. it. Any stories from there that you could share with us that you might've shared on your po podcast? Any, you know, interesting stories that were just, you know, on the it's, bizarre side? It's, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, um, we see crazy stuff. I mean, a lot of the houses we acquire, um, cause we acquire them at a discount is for a reason, right? So there's crazy, like, you know, there was a flood or, you know, the house was infested or not taken care of. Like we, we get like the dirty stuff, you know, cause that's, that's really where the returns are. So the stories we hear are, are insane. You know, like I'm buying a house tomorrow from someone who hasn't paid taxes in 2015, you know, it's, mm -hmm. so we have a lot of stories, but I can't really share all of them, I guess. No, um, no, no. It was just, thought that, who knows? I mean, that's for another, yeah, yeah, down the road and stuff like that. Um, just um, we talked about you following the football team. Um, what have you seen in them that what do you think? Like you mentioned, Coach Munkin's practices and how you know they they seem to be pretty physical at times and stuff. What, when you watch when you watch Army football play now, what what do you see and what do you like about the the way they the way they get it done? I think uh, the biggest difference I see um, is speed, uh, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. And it's not like, um, yeah, I mean like more in the B backs area or the slot backs area. I feel like we had, we've had some good athletes on the army football team. I think uh, quarterback depth has been a huge improvement on the army football team, which is good. If you're going to run the option, you know, you're going to get dinged up. It just is what it is. Um, and I feel like Munkin having a lot of experience running the option at uh, Georgia Southern and probably I'm, I'm not even sure how long, actually, how many years he's been running that system. You can tell like when our players are making their reads, like the speed and conviction is just a little bit quicker, you know, just yeah. I'm assuming because the experience of the coaching staff is, is that much better. Um, and then defensively, I, I do think we keep, it looks like to me, we keep things pretty simple um, from a scheme perspective, which is good. And I think, um, you look at our corners, like Elijah Riley was there a couple of years ago. He's a good player. You know, we haven't had corners like that in a long time. Yeah. So I, to me, the primary difference is that uh, probably athleticism. You know, I'm sure yeah. if I went to the weight room today and um, when I was there, like Caleb had some records, Colin Mooney and VD had a lot of the records for strength. Um, I'm sure all those records are gone. You know, <laughs> like just by looking at the players they brought in, I'm like, those records probably don't exist anymore. You know, or the, or, or they've been overtaken is what I'm saying. So I think, yeah. I think athleticism and recruiting is probably the biggest, the biggest gain that they have. Before you came on, we actually had the current uh, army head strength, strength and condition coach Connor Hughes on with us. And we had a great talk with him for 15 minutes about what they're getting done now. And it's just, the technology is just incredible about what they're able to do now. Um, 
and at practices and how they are able to, uh, you know, just um, rate and you know, they can tell speed, uh, how many miles per hour player is going during practice and stuff like yeah. that. And yeah, you know, and then they have these fourth quarter warrior drills where they're having tug of wars and, you know, and it's just, a, man, the brotherhood, right? I yeah. mean, it's gotta be crazy. Like when you get that, I can't, like you mentioned the, the locker room, after that Tulane win, that Mikey miracle, I mean, it's got to be nuts, right? I mean, it's just got to be incredible. Yeah, it was nuts. I mean, you know, that's 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 every college football team. You know, you get a win at the last second, and you're, like, exhausted, and you're a little delirious um, after playing a whole game. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to go nuts, you know? it's uh, there's, there's not a lot of feelings like that when you just squeak something out. It's a team. That really was a team win, you know? Yeah. It was like a 24 to set 20 win, something like that. You know, offense scored some touchdowns, defense had some turnovers. So it was just a really, when you have a win like that, it just feels really good to have everybody pull through, you know? Have you seen the Coach Monk and I want to fight videos? I've seen a lot of Monk and pump up videos. You know, I've seen the videos of him like ripping chairs and smashing them and going nuts, like rally. I'm not sure I know what video you're talking about, though. Um, he goes, I guess it was probably. A, Last year they played Georgia Southern and they won Georgia Southern. They pulled out. They were able to pull out that game, and it, he runs. In, he uh, struts into the locker room. I want to fight. I'm gonna fight until I can't bleed no more. That that kind of um, yeah. Army, I guess I guess army uh, phrase saying. Uh, and so he and then he, they they hoist him on the sho- player's shoulders and stuff like that. D- dude, he um after their Air Force win. I don't know if you caught this. He lifted up the commander in chief's trophy off the ground, lifted it up. Yeah. He's, he's pretty strong. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, he's not like the biggest human, but he's, he's got some pythons, right? Like he's not, yeah. he's not weak. You know, I does. I think that trophy weighs 170 pounds and usually takes like two or three players to like, when it's done, you know, when they win it, hoist it uh, up in the air. So yeah, if you, you know, if your form's good enough, you know, you can get that thing off the ground. I, I haven't seen the video, so I don't know if he bicep curled it. If he did, that's, that's pretty impressive. But if he was, you know, if he did like a goblet squat or something, like you know, okay, it's I, I could see it. Not not too bad. I was going to ask you what what do you think it would be like playing for a guy like him? Um, I mean, based off of what I know, it would be tough, right? I think it's one of those. I think he's tough on the players, but I think that's what's required, right? College football is a, you know, I I don't think most people understand how how hard it is to actually be a successful college football player and to run a successful team, like. The level of competition and the work going in at West Point's got to be high because, to be honest, like that person at Wake Forest or Rutgers or whatever plan, they're working hard. You know, they're working hard. And I think at West Point, sometimes coaches will think, well, my guy's not getting any sleep or my gal's not getting any sleep. I got to give him some rest. I got to do this. I got to, you know, baby him a little bit. Um, and I don't, that's not the case, man. I think, I think it's one of those things where, yeah, West Point's difficult. Playing college football is difficult, but that's the situation you're in, you know. Yeah, and you'll appreciate it when you get the win at the end of the season, you know. That's that's and that's probably the way it needs to be for West Point to be successful. I was trying to think one year, a couple one year on my beat, uh, Coach Ellerson moved the practices to the morning, and I'm like, uh, I guess it, I think they might have started. I got there like a little bit before seven, but I think they might have started around six six thirty in the morning. That might be the year that I thought they were going to have a good season. It might have been Trent's senior year. I could be wrong, but I think they won two games. Yeah, I think yeah. They won two games. And I just like I'll, you know, I mean, yeah, you're waking up for formate. What time? Formations, right? I mean, six, six, 
when, when were formations when you were at West Point? Like breakfast, I think, was six thirty or yeah. seven. You had to be outside ready for to eat breakfast. It was one of those two times. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think they were trying to make sure they got enough rest in the evenings and uh, yeah. time to get their grades right. Um, but the problem is with the way West Point schedule works is if you practice at six thirty, you got to get out of there by eight. Like, there's not a lot of time. Yeah, like it's not like the players can miss the first four periods of class. You know, yeah. like so. I, I don't know. I uh, I wasn't a fan. Personally, if you asked me if I would have recommended that schedule, I would have said no. But I'm also not qualified to be a coach. So Yeah, yeah. I remember going in there and Coach Ellerson's showing me like their breakfast buffet or what he was feeding the players. And I think they had like, their first class was 9 o'clock. Maybe they had the schedules altered that year. But you're making – I don't know if that was a difference maker, right, move. Like you're looking at Munkin when he got in there, right, what the um, the, the military training – he, they pushed, they moved that up to like, you know, a May, June, so they can get the players on campus for, you know, summer classes and working out in the weight room from that period that in, you probably had your military training, right? In right before football practice started. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, um, th- this constant struggle for Army football is how do you, how do you, uh, maintain training and, um, make sure that they're ready to be officers while also creating an environment you can win football games, right? It's the ultimate push and pull. And uh, I think you always try to find the right balance. I would say when I was there, I'm not sure we, I don't want to complain, but I remember my junior season, I was running, I was leading a running group for beast barracks and I was running like, cause I was a good runner. I'm running like miles every morning at a super fast pace. I'm trying to gain weight. And I showed up to camp like seven or 10 pounds lighter than I wanted to be. Cause, and I only had like four weeks or five weeks before the game started, you know? Yeah. And we're playing Temple. And I'm like, man, I was just running like four miles every morning at like a 6.30 pace, you know? <laughs> like that's not that's not good training for football. It's just really not. It's elongating the muscles. Um, and now I, I think they've done a great job of realizing that that's not how you win, you know? That person at those other schools that you're playing is not doing that to their body, right? Yeah. So, do you want to win, right? If you want to win, what changes you got to make to win, right? It, it, it's a real, it's a real equation. You know, there's no perfect answer. Yeah, I remember like freshmen, like I remember like a Brett Toth who's now playing in the NFL for the Eagles at tackle, coming in at and a six six guy coming in at like 220 pounds after Beast. Yeah, yeah, I mean as a freshman, and then look what they, I mean now he's a what a 300 plus pound. Um, tackle in the or guard in the offensive lineman in the NFL and his senior year he was playing right around that like 300 pound weight which back in the day I mean yeah I mean, we had a lot of 300 pounders we Ali could get over 300 pounds but he was yeah 10 <laughs> so he carried it pretty well I think Ryan and uh, I think um Ryan Alexander is I don't know he might have been a little bit before uh after your time playing tackle at Todd McDonald playing tackle at 240 pounds during the Ellerson years. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, look, there was, we also had good players though. Um, we had, um, I think it was Seth or something. He was like, Seth Reed, maybe no, he was, uh, it's not, a, I can't remember his name, but we had, when I was a freshman, we actually had a good tackle and he was, he was light. He was tall and light. Um, oh, uh, Seth Neiman, maybe. Yeah. It sounds familiar. I can't remember. I feel bad. I should move on. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Hey, it's been it's been a blast catching up, uh, man. Really appreciate it. Um, is there anything else you would want to plug before we go out? No, I uh, I really do appreciate you uh, coming on. Um, there's a lot of Army football players, I'm sure, that are interested in real estate. Army guys tend to 
army guys and gals tend to get involved in it. Um, you know, if you're interested in that stuff, my email is frank at graylineinvestments.com. If you want to catch up, happy to be a mentor, happy to help out younger players uh, or former players. So that's it. Nice. And you can find this YouTube on all, I mean, you can find this podcast on all uh, podcast platforms. Uh, we're on Apple, we're everywhere, Spotify. Um, you can listen to this uh, interview. Or we're also on YouTube. This interview will also be on YouTube. Frank, it's been a pleasure. Great catching up. Look forward to doing it again soon. Awesome. Thank you very much.